Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor and his slightly silly paper as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 498. I'm Keith. <laughs> I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. You're, you're older and none the wiser. Yes, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Yes. Actually, now you have wished me a uh, happy birthday a day early, and now you've wished me a happy birthday a couple days late. So... <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah sorry sean did, keith, keith got the jump on you so i think he he went a whole day ahead of time just to make sure he got it was the first one to wish me happy birthday <laughs> my, my uh my flux capacitor so was on the lately. <laughs> i got that uh so i guess saturday and i was no it was sunday i got that sunday i was like oh that's nice and then i thought should i tell him he's a day early <laughs> nah i'll just leave it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my, Monday was my actual birthday, but Sunday actually was appropriate, Keith, because that's when we celebrated. So, so we went over to my folks. Well, and, see, there you go. Yeah, we went over to my folks and celebrated Father's Day and uh, my birthday and had cake and uh, sandwiches for lunch and played some games. and It was pretty fun. Good afternoon. Good day. Nice. Then I had to work on my birthday. So. <laughs> Not so nice. Yeah. Did you guys do anything? How was everybody's Father's Day? Did you do anything exciting for that? I mean, Glenn had cake. Yeah. That pretty much trumps everything I did. So, <laughs> Cake always is, you know, oh, you had cake. Well, I'm not even going to bring it up now. <laughs> <laughs> we set up the backyard pool for the kids. They had fun. Ooh. Yeah. So when, when can I expect my invite? First and then got really into it. I don't know if you'd fit, Sean. It's... One of the kiddie pools. And? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you only could be in the pool. <laughs> I will hum the Jaws theme as I circle. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a struggle to circle. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be insulted at this point or not. <laughs> it's a small pool, Sean. <laughs> The one time I've gotten in it, I couldn't move about. What are you trying to say, Keith? Either either Sean, tall man. Either Sean is sorely underestimating the size of this pool, or Keith is sorely (laughs) overestimating overestimating the size of Sean. Uh, We watched a movie. What'd you watch? What'd you watch? Luca. So did I. What do you uh, think? The, the new Pixar movie. We really liked it. I like. I thought it was really cute. It is cute. It wasn't quite the tearjerker that most Pixar movies are. I didn't think, but it pulled some emotional heartstrings and had a lot of fun. It, the, I, I really like the animation style. It really harkens to Ardman films in the way they designed the, the characters. It's good. I highly recommend it. You know, it's it's weird in a way. Um, because obviously I'm all about the theater going experience and, um, how much of current streaming scares me in a way with uh, how things are, are, are being distributed. 
But I will say that I think Disney Plus might be the the best thing that, that Disney's kind of come up with because it has definitely benefited Star Wars and, and Marvel and, and Pixar. Uh, I think in Pixar's case, it's going to allow them to be a little more experimental um, with films like Soul uh, and, and, and certainly Luca because it it almost has a different feel to it than some of the traditional Pixar movies. It definitely does. But I think it also benefits from the fact that, you know, that there's, there's not, that pressure is not there. They don't have to sell a bajillion toys and uh, worry about the, the box office numbers. It's just go tell a cute story. And that's where it falls. And it, it just, it is a cute story. It's a, just a wonderful little summer movie. Yeah, it's not one that I would have gone out to the theater to see at all, but because it was, you know, included in the subscription, it was one that we watched pretty quickly because the kids were also interested in it. So that makes a difference too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was really cute. Glenn, you haven't watched it yet? No, not yet. I don't. For some reason, I. <laughs> My watching schedule for things has been really weird. I mean, we've we've been watching all the. Maybe it's probably because we've been watching all the Marvel films. We've just kind of been in that groove. I haven't really watched anything besides that. What are you up to now? I think last time uh, you were up to Black Panther. Yeah, we watched um, Spider-Man: Homecoming this week. Yeah, this is we actually this is working out very well because we finished we had Civil War a couple weeks ago, and then we watched Black Panther because it follows right on the heels of Civil War. And we watched Spider-Man Homecoming this week because it follows right on the heels of Civil War. And we're going to watch Doctor Strange, which doesn't necessarily fall right on the heels, but it's, you know, between that and Infinity uh, War. But we should end up with Black Widow the following week. So we'll have done all of the films that chronologically set are set before um infinity war so we actually oh, nice. we've we've kind of pasted it out just right so that we hit black widow just right about where it should be so because everything i've been reading says it it, it it takes place right after captain america uh civil war so that's all we decided we're gonna we, we decided we're gonna cheat when uh we, before black widow we're only going to rewatch captain america civil war just because how's that cheating well, come on! It's a new Marvel movie. You got to do the whole MCU. Right? Oh, geez, no! <laughs> I, I, I wish that were true. The only reason we're doing it this time is because we've had such a large gap between them. <laughs> no, most of the time, just... most of the time, I just watch the things that that either directly correlate or lead up to them. So, yeah, it feels like. Well, I mean, certainly with, of course, the last couple that we had were, you know, Avengers. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and, and yeah. I did. Yeah, that was a big uh, watch lead up to those for me. How many films we got to rewatch? Twenty three. Okay, let's go. <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> gonna take it a little easier this time out. I think I'm still fresh enough off those. That, uh, <laughs> just although I don't know. I, I you know watching watching the premiere episode of Loki really had me wishing that I had gone back and rewatched Thor and the first Avengers. <laughs> Because I had to keep resetting my brain going, it's not that Loki. <laughs> it's well, in a different spot yeah. in his timeline. The nice thing is I'm right I was right off the heels of that, so I had I had refreshed recently on those. 
they they would do something and I would stop and go, "Hey, wait a minute. That's oh. Oh no, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> it is nice though that this Loki got sort of a catch up on the rest of what his life would have been with that video, so in Yeah, no why. I watched the uh, documentary uh, Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. Oh, I've heard that's good. It is. I don't think it's quite as good as the, uh, um, uh, what was the name of the Mr. Rogers one? Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I don't think it's quite as good as that one, Um, but it really does a good job of focusing on the the, kind of the early years and, and how Sesame Street came to be and then went on to change the world. And uh, there, there, there were there were some uh, there were some tears shed, not gonna lie. <laughs> but it's 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 worth a watch. Any, anything else? I finished reading Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, which is book two in the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, and it was not as good as the first one. Oh, unfortunately, no. it took a very long time to get to where it was going and I'm not sure the payoff was worth it mm. but also a lot of it was set up for the third book too so it's going to be a kind of wait and see how the third book pays off to see if book two was worth the journey or not but the biggest problem with it was there wasn't enough Thrawn in the Thrawn book mm. and was this another one that's um, from Timothy Zahn? Yes, he wrote this one too. So I'm he's curious if he has it in his contract that he's the only one that can do Thrawn unless it's, you know, for TV or something, but Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they're not going to if they're going to have someone write it, they might as well have him do it because you know, he right. you know, especially something like this where it's not like it's Thrawn in our in the Star Wars galaxy, it's Thrawn in his galaxy dealing with his world and his society so it may only make sense to have the guy who created it and thought it all up write it all so and it's, it's very well written it's just the story kind of drags and you spend a lot of time with other characters you don't really care about at least i didn't and just wanted to get back to thrawn and kind of the core characters that he established in the first book and there's not enough of all of them You'll have to keep us appraised and let us know if that payoff winds up being worth it. Yeah. I hope so. Like I said, I hope it does. But the third book has got a lot to do because I feel like it has to also to set up why he decides to go off into quote-unquote lesser space and join the Empire. Because I don't think that was ever th- thoroughly explored why he went and did that. Uh, other than whatever excuse he gave to the Emperor and everybody else that asked. I feel like there should be more to it than that. Is it just me, or I, I was kind of under the impression that uh, for whatever reasons that were not clearly described, but that Thrawn was actually thrown out, that while he was essentially loyal to the Ascendancy and 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 whatnot, that something had gone awry and he was asked not to come back. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get that impression, I think. It also kind of seems like he's also on like an undercover mission too yeah so i don't know you can't have be thrown out and be on an undercover mission so it's kind of which which is it well i don't know thrawn could be a lot like the joker it's multiple choice <laughs> that's true <laughs> anything else well we have some sad news to 
to pass along to everybody because um, I mean if you're if you're a fan of the series and listen to the show anyway you're probably already aware but um, Doctor Who star Jackie Lane who played Dodo Chaplet um, she passed away today at the age seventy nine and um, unfortunately her character I just don't I think it wasn't treated well on Doctor Who which is a shame and I think that's why one of the reasons she never came back and ever actually you know reconnected with Doctor Who in very many ways but um, I think she made a, a small impact on the on the series herself she did have some some good uh, parts I, I thought she was very strong in um, at least what we see or hear of her in um, uh, the Celestial Toymaker we reviewed that uh, reconstruction and, and the little piece of that episode that that remain or that story that remains and I thought she was fairly strong in the arc um, myself but um, unfortunately those were about the only memorable episodes I know she was in the gunfighters which I, I thoroughly enjoy although I don't think that she was a a strong part in that but yeah that's for sure I, I never disliked Dodo I just don't feel like I got to know her well enough as a character he was definitely um short shrifted as a character and it's unfortunate that uh, the opportunity is now gone to yeah. explore that all right well let's on a on a happier note um there was a uh actor who returned to the fold as we say um in doctor who and that was christopher <laughs> eccleston who is back as the doctor in uh big finishes fairly recent release of uh the ravagers box set which is the first ninth doctor adventures from big finish productions doctor who the ninth doctor adventures volume one ravagers i'm back i'm really back in the tardis you did it old girl endless possibilities and events future past and everything in between i have done the thing temporal thing radiating from the tardis like nobody's business doctor i honestly don't know how this could have happened come on get in oh my god it's all right it's all right don't panic i'm not panicking i wasn't talking to you centurion did you just fall out of the sky or something so yeah so you lied to her i meant what i said doctor if you can hear me you better get here soon run for it lads Stay here, waving your swords and spears around. You'll be blown off the face of the earth. That macho enough for you? He's really done it now. Nova! Yeah? Hang on to something! Sir! Stop this! I couldn't agree more, Doctor. Audrey, no! Put that gun! How can this be inside your police box? Perfectly reasonable question. Sergeant! We're being overrun! We've got yeah. to withdraw! That sounded a bit polite for a giant mechanical monster. Oh, God, no idea, sir. Who just the hell are these people? Just quiet, please, all of you. Sort of terrifying. Pretty much sums it up. What if they grab you and try to wipe your brain? They can try. Whoa. Right. Shall we get on with this? That's not just amazing, it's... Fantastic! Big finish. We love stories. I was waiting for uh, Sean's bump, bump, bump. Is it? That's usually my indicator of whether Sean liked it or not. Uh, Sean is—he's uh, a little on the fence on this one. 
Really? This one particularly or, or the whole box set? Um, the whole box set, in a way, there, there are definitely things that I liked about it. Okay. I guess I'll start. Yeah, um, go ahead. Uh, the, the f- first and foremost was Christopher Eccleston. It felt so good just to be back in that vibe. Um, in fact, I didn't even recognize him initially when he started talking because we're dropped right into the middle of the adventure and things happening and there's action and it's very fast paced. And I'm like, uh, you know, my, my brain initially was, okay, I got to get in gear. What, what is happening? Oh, wait. Okay. That's the doctor. Okay, cool. And once I caught on to that, you know, oh, okay, great. Cause he's awesome. He's, he's just, he hasn't missed a step. He hasn't, uh, you know, uh, he, he's still, he still got it. He still sounds just like the ninth doctor, which is, I mean, not, not age difference as we have discussed in some big finish, but just, uh, you know, he sounded energetic and he was having fun and it just, it all came across in his performance. So that aspect of it was just phenomenal. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, I thought Audrey was very interesting. Um, I thought Nova was a great companion in auditioning and there were, there were many elements of both of their characters that I kind of wish had been explored maybe just a little bit further, but uh, at the same time, I'm not disappointed by what we were given. I think the plot was a little needlessly complex to fill up three stories. That's it, my complaint with it too. Yeah, it I'm, felt I'm right a little bit. <laughs> okay, it, it felt a little bit like they were leaning into the um, uh, self-actualizing or bootstrap paradox that this was all, uh, you know, going to be the doctor's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of globbed onto that early. That uh, okay, well, we're we're not necessarily telegraphing it, but we're we're telegraphing it that this is the, the setup for this. So then the question will be, when does the doctor catch on to this? And I kind of kept hoping I was wrong <laughs> that as it, as it unfolded, it was like, oh, come on, come on. Anytime now, doc, you can see that this is not going to end well, and you're doing it anyway. <laughs> oh, and you gave her the codes for the thing. Oh no. Um, and, and it just, anytime I wind up being smarter than the doctor, I feel cheated. If it's, you know, Columbo and I figure it out ahead of time, well, that's a bad example, but, um, <laughs> if it's a murder mystery and I figure it out before the detective does, I feel, I feel good about myself. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. If it's the doctor and I figure it out before he does, I think it might be borderline poorly written because that's not a situation as a human. I should ever find myself in. <laughs> so you know, but it's, I don't know that it was a, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a, a bad enough foible to have me write off the whole box set. I would probably still give it a done and a, just because it was a lot of fun to be back in this, in this time frame. I, I would agree with everything you, you say about it. It, it, it felt very much, uh, very predictable going through at least to the, the, the aspect of, of figuring out that, Oh, this is something that was caused by the doctor. I think the other thing that I'm getting a little tired and maybe it's just because I just happen to be hitting on the stories that are doing this device, but the whole idea of 
going back in time to fix something that was screwed up the first time in time. It seems like we we've at least I've been listening to a bunch of stories or reading a bunch of stories or being uh, being um, uh, train just derailed its station. Um, inundated with inundated with been inundated with these you know these stories of the doctor going back in time and creating these loops or going. It's almost like a, it's almost like a Moffat eleventh Doctor. I don't want to say cheat because I think Moffat did it sparingly, and he did it well. But it seems like, and not not that these stories aren't good that I've been listening to or reading or or taking in, absorbing, taking in. Um, they're, they're still good stories, but it just seems like there's this group of writers now that feel like this is the thing to do to have the doctor go back in time to fix things that, you know, and it's starting, it's, it's a tired trope for me now. And so that was one mm-hmm. of the things that bothered me about it. And it's probably not Nicholas Briggs fault um, per se, because I just happened to be coming across all these different stories, but the majority of them have been big finish offerings. And I think that that, tells me that there might be a, a mindset there that they don't maybe a, a hive mind uh, uh, writing idea uh, indirectly. I don't think they know they're doing it, but I think that they're like through osmosis getting the idea for their stories uh, to do similar things and, and again, not purposely and I, that's why I say I, don't, I shouldn't blame Nicholas Briggs for it, but it feels it feels a little lazy to be honest. I mean, it's it, it if you're going to be able to well, use and in the time to features, fix Nick time, Briggs talks about how. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, my I lost you guys for a second, so I thought there was silence. Uh, in the bonus features, Nick Briggs talks about how he's become kind of known for non-linear storytelling, so it kind of makes sense that you would have that problem with one of his stories. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, it's 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 a weird kind of flip reversal because I seem to remember and this has obviously been many years back in the fog of the long long ago um, that we would talk about why couldn't you just fix it you have a time machine you know that we would wish for this ending that we would wish for them to be able to set it up and, and, and just, just take care of it and then every now and then we get that ending and it's like, Oh, okay, cool. You did it. And now it seems like every time we get that ending because it's, it, it has almost because of true. And as you said, Glenn, maybe it's just that we're managing because we jump around. Um, maybe we're just managing to lump all these type of stories together in, uh, in a row with our reviews. I remember we did, a, we, we inadvertently did a bunch of historicals in a row at one point, And that was like, Oh, another one of these, but, <laughs> maybe it's maybe you're right maybe it's a hive mind mentality that you start feeding off of each other and those ideas stick around um i don't want to undersell uh eccleston in this role i think that it i think the amazing thing to me and 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 I, i probably wasn't giving him enough credit and and i i apologize to the actor for this because i've for so many years had a bit of a grudge against eccleston not his doctor, but him personally, because he's 
been so standoffish with Doctor Who. And he's been slowly kind of, I think, I think he's been slowly exercising his own demons. I think he's slowly been kind of uh, coming back into the fold, um, ha- showing that you know he did he does have an appreciation for Doctor Who. He does have a pre- appreciation for what he was able to do with the character. And I know that he had a really difficult time on set. I know he had a really difficult time with the production crew, and that could sour anybody on a project. But I've always sort of it just felt like he could put that to bed, you know, sooner than he has. And so I think I, in my back of my mind, I kept thinking that he would probably kind of come into this and not give it a hundred percent that he would, he would come in as professionally as an actor and do the job. But I just didn't, I I just in the back of my mind kept thinking, is he really going to give a hundred percent to this? Does he really, really want to be back in this role? And from the get go, it was, it was the ninth doctor. It was, it was, he didn't miss a beat. And of course he is, he is a professional. He, he does know what he's doing. Um, but it really felt like he was having fun as well. It felt like the character, you could, you could sense that he had put on a pair of old shoes. And I think I've said this about a lot of the, the, the doctors that slip in back into their roles so, so easily. And I'm always surprised, but this particular time I was even more surprised that just because of the baggage that he was able to just really i was convinced that it was the doctor i heard all of the now i think that the the unfortunate thing about this and 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 luckily we'll have more stories to kind of flesh this out though is there is a lot of dimensions to the ninth doctor and in that short uh one series season that uh, eccleston had with the role he showed us a broad range of the character and the emotion and we don't unfortunately don't get a lot of that range here we got we get a lot of quote-unquote doctorisms um things that you would expect the ninth doctor to say and do um so over the course of three stories he's very much that same doctor and there's doesn't seem to be a the the broader range that I know that that Eccleston has done with the Ninth Doctor, so I was a little lamenting a little more you know variation on on the Doctor. But as I said, we're we're just getting started, and hopefully there's a lot more to kind of explore those those different you know moods and and depth to that character that he brought to it. But I was I was sure very pleased with Eccleston's performance. Yeah, his performance was fa- was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I felt sometimes, however, that the characterization wasn't quite right, the way that he was written. Maybe it's my own preconceived notions of what this Doctor is, and it's been probably too long since I've watched season one. But over the course of the first series, I always felt that because of his interactions with Rose and all of the things he goes through with her helps him, you know, kind of rediscover his humanity and he lets him lose some of the baggage that was on his shoulders from the time war. And it feels like none of that baggage is there and sort of not a lot of that is there. So it feels very much like an end of run Eccleston as opposed to pre Rose Eccleston right. or ninth doctor. So it's, at times as though, even though Eccleston was doing a fantastic performance and doing such a good job, and I felt like the Ninth Doctor, it just didn't feel like the right Ninth Doctor for that time period. And I think that's more down to the writing than the acting. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a valid point because unfortunately with only the one season and the fairly um, linear storytelling within that season, there's not a lot of opportunity to squeeze extra stories in. Especially without Rose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you, just, you, you have to do either pre-Rose or possibly when he leaves and then immediately comes back and says, oh, by the way, did I mention it travels in time? It's a cheat, but yeah, you could squeeze a whole bunch of adventures into that one trip and yeah. you come back and meet her at the pier well, there's five always, seconds later. There's, 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 there's already been two. that one. <laughs> well, there's been yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, Beast of Babylon, which was one of the Puffin e-books that we read, or yeah, read in the uh, uh, 50th anniversary year, was set in that moment between him leaving Rose and coming back. And there's also another story called Little Rose Riding Hood from... Uh, Time Lord Fairy Tales that is from oh, well it's not speci- all set specifically there but there's an there's an element of it that is uh, uh, told from that perspective in that that moment between so hey there's a comic isn't there or am I wrong uh, on that? I that, thought we had read a comic issue that maybe was set in there as no, well I don't I don't think so I think everything else has been uh the, the forgotten i said would think was his his part in the forgotten was in between a couple of stories i think but not within that moment as as i was saying okay. so. well let's see uh andrew curley um who authored the complete adventures that i like to consider <laughs> only has the only has those two stories in there as well so and he has ravagers set almost right before rose although i'm sure a lot of those that'll that that span will grow in there but um the only other thing he has is the uh what i did on my holidays by sally sparrow is right before rose because the original uh book was the ninth doctor instead of the Mm -hmm. tenth so i'd almost need to have to go back to rewatch the first couple of episodes to see what is mood and attitude is kind of like and of course you know depending on where the big finish leaves the ninth doctor at their end of their box sets maybe that would also tie into rose and set his mood correctly even though you know he may have had ups and downs throughout all of this kind of like he does in the first season so i'm hopeful that they'll keep that in mind as they go forward. yeah i I mean i i i know what you're saying i don't think that he i don't think he needed to be uh, moody or brooding in this story so i don't know like i say i saw i saw an element of the ninth doctor that was very familiar in these stories i just don't think there was a broad enough range of of the yeah like the doctor that was dealing with the aftermath of the time war um that that maybe should be there but i i don't know i just well, and maybe that's the key. Maybe it's, you know, yes, the, the Ninth Doctor is still dealing with the aftermath of the Time War, but when he, he's adopted the, this is, you know, happy-go-lucky, I'm going to go save the universe because that's what I do phase, and it's not until that he meets and begins to trust in Rose that he opens up to her exclusively, and that's when we get let in on it. You know, that's yeah. a, as you said, there's a lot of facets to it, and it's a complicated character. So, I, I agree with Keith that I think that you know it, it doesn't quite feel early, but yet 
I trust in Big Finish enough to go, eh, I can make allowances yeah. for why it doesn't feel that way, or I could headcanon it away. I think another allowance that I can have for it is the the story as a whole doesn't give you much time to breathe. So there's not much time to think about those sort of things for the Doctor. In fact, that to its detriment, I think the story bounces a little bit from place to place, place a little too quickly. I think we don't spend enough time in certain areas long enough. In some places we sort of dwell a little longer than I think was necessary. So, but I think that because there's so much going on and the doctor's attention is so diverted that that might be one good excuse for why we get the, this, you know, uh, the, this version of the ninth doctor that, that we get throughout this is because all of this is a distraction for everything that's come before and everything that'll, you know, come after this. And so maybe because it is so fast paced and maybe because there's so much going on here. Uh, in fact, a little bit of the I think a little bit of the story is a little you know, convoluted, to be honest. Uh, and that leads to the sporadic nature of of here and bouncing from here to there and 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 whatnot as well. But that might be an excuse for why, I suppose. That's and you know the stakes of it are pretty high and the universe is yeah. ending because right. of these issues so he's not he's focused on the problem he's not dwelling on what happened in the past yeah it, it was just a small problem. little thing that that bugged me a little bit it wasn't enough to take me out of the story completely or make it so i didn't enjoy the story it's right right something i noticed what do you think of the what do you think of Audrey's arc? And and by that I mean landing us in, in this idea of she's the bad guy only to bring us around almost full circle to almost a misguided or, or miss, uh, yeah, misguided uh, hero. Yeah, not even a hero, but a misguided path for somebody. What do you guys think of her, her story? I thought it was a little too telegraphed that she was, you know, trying to do something good and stop what was happening. But even though it was a little telegraphed, I did enjoy it. I did like it. I, I liked that it wasn't a black and white, bad versus good versus bad sort of situation. She was doing bad things in an attempt to do good things. And it, I like that complexity that they included with her. I agree because so many times they the bad guy will be somebody most of the time you know is this uh, megalomaniac and you know power grab uh, greed driven uh, bad guys and while I think there's a moment where you suspect that that she's that type um, that they do kind of spin it in a different way and take you away from that and you realize okay well I see why she was had to go down this road. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's, it's not everything it seems. And so I agree. I kind of liked that too. I th- I too thought it was maybe a little predictable, but I liked it. I think the only reason that it came across maybe as predictable is because of the, the, the convoluted nature of the plot with the, 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 the time stream jumping, um, and the nonlinear storytelling, like I said, being let in on it early that this probably is going to be the doctor's fault. Yeah. And then once you latch onto that idea, then it becomes fairly easy once we're given any glimmer that Audrey may not be the mustache twirling megalomaniac 
uh, you know, villain of the piece, then it's like, oh, she actually is trying to help. And the more time we spent with her and her, her ghost doctors, you know, why won't you talk to me? Why won't you, you know, do this? It became more and more obvious that she's doing something that is not villainous. She's yeah. doing something that is, is actually, you know, it may be misguided. It yeah. may be that it's not working, but there, there, there's something at work here that's, that's not evil. So I appreciate that. I, I enjoy uh, v villains mm -hmm. when they're not villains. I mean, I, I enjoy villains for the sake of villains too. I don't need everybody to have a tragic backstory. Um, but I, I like it when you make them more human as it were, that th there is a method to their madness. Yeah, and I think that the story does a good job also of making the the ghost doctor be very mysterious and almost nefarious from from the point of view that we're getting it from Audrey. Is you you don't quite trust the 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 phantom doctor that 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 she's communicating with um, until the end when it makes more sense in 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 a more linear fashion for us. It makes a lot more sense and he doesn't sound as nefarious. So I appreciated the idea that. Um, it was it was very unnerving how the doctor was presenting or the, the 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 ghost doctor was presenting himself till you find out that it through the series of events it was if you when you saw it from his perspective linearly it made more sense and I, I liked that as well I thought that was a, a nice mm -hmm. surprise um, the one thing that frustrated me immensely about this and I can understand the whole concept of you can't give away too much information about the future because then you're doomed to ruin or or create you know paradox or problems but but the story too frequently comes to the point where if she would just tell him more than she's telling him he wouldn't keep goofing things up and it almost comes down to the fact that the reason why he keeps messing up is because she's not giving him enough information to go by. <laughs> and it's like they skirt that line of, okay, we the information needs to be fed to him somehow, but we're not going to go quite far enough because we have to drag this out. And so it becomes very frustrating while again necessary not to tell him so that doesn't it becomes very frustrating how frequently that is used as a device of well i can't tell you that it just it, it got a little repetitious for me throughout the entire story and so that was one of the things that frustrated me about the storytelling yeah there are times where the ninth doctor almost feels like he's he's too set on the idea that once he has made up his mind that, well, you're the bad guy and you're doing something bad and I'm going to stop you, that he doesn't take a hard enough look at the evidence of their conversations. And he has to be hit in the face with it at the very end of the story before he goes, oh, that was actually kind of brilliant, you know. And it's like, yeah, but it, it, it's it's one of those... I, I get frustrated with these. The the movie that I always uh, point to is Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson, where there's a, a minor traffic accident and a little bit of road rage, and these two individuals basically set out to destroy each other's lives, like full-on, you know, cyber attacks and wiping out bank accounts. And it just escalates to the point of all, all, all either one of you, just had to say yo dude sorry 
and this would have been over. Right. But right. you keep making those bad decisions, and so things keep asking. And, and in many ways, the story kind of felt a little bit like that, just because it's like, at any point in time, if the Doctor had stopped being so single-minded of purpose and gone, wait a minute. Or if she had said, well, I can't tell you because we're in the wrong order, but what if I said this? You know, right, right. Just something a little of more of a hint would have helped. But then we, 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 we wouldn't have had a, a three-episode box set. No, you're we right. And, I, and again, I can't, I can't fault them for not telling because I think that's, you know, that's, a, that's an essential part of time travel uh, storytelling is you can't give away the answers because you'll 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 mess things up but it's just it's so frequent for frequently happens that it makes you mad that it, the reason why he keeps screwing things up is because she doesn't give him enough information and if they had backed off on that a little bit i probably wouldn't have had as much problem with it now all she had to say was spoilers and we would have gone well, and to some extent, if his doggedness of seeing her as the villain does make sense, coming if this is right on the heels of that time war that he's been fighting the Daleks, where he's just been going up against a villain that's been evil for evil's sake forever, he the next villain he would come across, he would probably assume it's the same sort of situation. So I can also cut him a little bit of slack in that aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, I appreciate. Uh, Nova in a way a lot more now um, because of that because in a way she is kind of the knock on the door that he's going to open and start to re-experience the joy of the universe as opposed to the darkness and the fact that you know uh, you you see that in a way with his uh, relationship with her that because she's well versed in time travel he is suspicious and that it's not until the end when it's like you're a geek <laughs> nova the nerd ah and he actually laughs he has this this very joyous uh you know moment within that that uh you know kind of allows him to break for just a second and that's 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 a that's a good thought keith and I like Nova a lot. I, I kind of wish she would have would have continued into the next box set, that she would have become a kind of a quasi-mini companion more than just this series because I, I thought her character was great. The fact that she was so savvy on time travel already that we didn't have to create all the rules to somebody yet again was kind of refreshing and someone who could actually keep up and kind of actually at times be a step ahead of the doctor on some of this sort of stuff i i really appreciated that part of her and then she had a little bit of lucy miller to her too as sure maybe it was the accents and just the way she presented her character it just felt very similar i think she I got felt, a little bit of lucy and a little bit of ace yeah, I was yeah. Saying, I, I, she felt tough she said <laughs> she felt she, yeah she felt kind of hard hard as nails and i i agree i didn't see i didn't I didn't hear so much Lucy Miller, but I definitely got an Ace vibe from her. I appreciated the, uh, I just like the fact that, you know, she was not, well, ostensibly was not human, was not from earth anyway. Uh, and so later when he's 
<laughs> rattling off. Oh yeah, I met uh, the lieutenant when blah 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 happened. Blah blah blah. And her comment, I understood Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what a refreshing change of pace. <laughs> yeah. And so I was also kind of slightly disappointed that the version that traveled with him and kind of got unwritten back to a version that didn't get to go with him and then she stayed behind because of that. So. Right, right. I would like I'd like them to revisit the character though down the line and do something in such a way that she has these like ghost or phantom memories of this and she they, that start unlocking that would be kind of a cool device and she runs into the doctor again and she's got questions now okay why why am i having these false memories about things that didn't happen to me i think that would be kind of a neat concept to explore later down the line yeah it would be Overall, I, I I applaud the effort of of bringing uh, the Ninth Doctor back. I applaud the um, the the device in which they brought him back. I just I, I wish this I wish the story had been a little more concise and a little better. I I wish there wasn't as many contrivances in it. Um, but I think overall, I mean, Eccleston hits the ground running, um, does a fantastic job. I think all of the performances were good. Solid companion, solid uh, antagonist. We'll call her an antagonist now. Um, so uh, those things were the strengths of it. It just too bad the story in itself couldn't support all of those things that were great about it. Yeah, there were a lot of winning moments. You know, creepy robots and uh, uh, cute I thought drones. The, I thought the <laughs> the universe eating ravager things were kind of a. Uh, I I don't I don't think it's something that was completely original because it's kind of shades of of things that have come before. But I thought it was a good concept for a story, and having to hold them back by uh, influencing their you know feeding their uh, uh, feeding their hunger with these kind of manufactured games. I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. It's almost a bait and switch because uh, especially in the first story. We're given a lot of information about the uh, the sphere of freedom and this evil conglomerate that's, you know, making all this money off of the game players. Right. And uh, it, it feels almost, um, oh, Vengeance on Veros or uh, what was the other one with the, um, you know, it, it, it feels kind of like it's moving in that direction where it's just, okay, this is what we're here to do is topple this. And very quickly, that is all abandoned as we get into the, the, the time travel shenanigans and uh, the, the bigger reveals of what's behind this. And so then by the time the third story rolls around, that is little more than just, uh, well, it was a means to an end. Right. Because we're, we're using this to subsidize this. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, in a way, it almost, it, it just it just almost feels like there was more story there that just kind of got left by the wayside maybe not see i don't maybe I don't, we got just enough to yeah i i you know explain it i appreciated that about it is the fact that it made you think of it as one thing and then left it and got away from it for all of the stuff that happens in cataclysm to come back around and then say oh by the way this is what this was and this is why this was i kind of liked that concept that was that to me was just enough uh, to make those two pieces of it work. 
And the idea of the time eddies scooping people up and dropping them off random places is yeah. kind of a, is a really neat idea too. You know, dealing with centurions in nineteen fifty three England. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a that could have been a full a bit more fleshed out of a story too. But it was used just enough to really kind of help it, it demonstrate that things are going really wrong. Right. And just me, or uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Not one time scoop reference. That that you know we we've got these eddies doing this, and it's like, oh well, this is kind of just like that. Uh, we 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 have the Roman centurions running around London, and at no point in time, you know, and and he realizes once he gets to the spheres that this is a much bigger deal with a lot of displaced people. But there's no war games. No moment. war games reference, yeah, because it did. It has yeah. a it has a war games vibe at that point. Yeah. Now we did get the uh, uh, what is what does he say to her in the street? Sorry, must dash. So we did lift a bit of dialogue <laughs> from the fifth doctor. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I kept waiting. I was like, here it comes, here comes that fan moment. We're gonna. Nope. <laughs> Drove right <laughs> past that exit. Which is strange in a story coming from Nicholas Briggs. I know, right? But it also fits the Ninth Doctor's era. I mean, RTD was putting Easter eggs in and references like that, but they weren't very heavy-handed or very obvious right away. That's true. Either. They were very subversive. It's not until Tenet's era that he starts getting more bold with them. Yeah. True. It's not like he brought back the Macra. <laughs> or the Autons. Or the... <laughs> Well, anything else on this before we uh, talk about what's coming up on the schedule? Well, what do we got coming up Definitely on the schedule? Looking forward to more. <laughs> well, the reason that we popped this on is because uh, uh, I, I will I will let slip that uh, Big Finish has another Ninth Doctor box set coming out soon that uh, we plan on uh, having on the schedule in uh, August. Uh, near the time it's released. So we thought, well, we probably should get caught up, and unlike other big Finnish things, that won't take us 17 seasons of, uh, <laughs> of audios to get caught up. So so you can look forward to more Ninth Doctor soon. But in the meantime, uh, next week we're going to jump back to the first Doctor. It is the first Doctor, isn't it? Or maybe it's the second doctor. The second Which doctor. Second, second, doctor. Second, doctor. second doctor. We'll jump back to the second doctor's time frame with uh, the Space Pirates as we conduct one of our Lost in Time reviews. We will be looking at the recon of that episode because unfortunately not all of it exists, along with the novelization, as chosen by you, our faithful listeners. And the following week, do we do we want to have we talked about this in any depth at all, or just kind of left it nebulous? Episode five hundred. Yeah, it's been kind of nebulous. We can talk about when, it. Do you, do you want to tell them what's what's coming up? Well, yeah, this will be our musical, the musical, and I didn't come up with that uh, name. Sean did, um, but we're going to be examining some music over the years starting way back in the 1960s and even coming up to almost more present day uh it's music inspired by or directly related to doctor who and we're going to be talking about some of the more famous stuff and maybe even a few that uh, you haven't heard of and we're going to talk about how uh the 
Doctor Who universe has uh, affected pop culture and specifically in music. So that'll be our 500th Rockin' Review episodiversary. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. The needle drops will be fire. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me being all hip. Uh, other things to keep an eye out for. We have some more uh, Lethbridge Stewart uh, on the docket with a book review. The Eighth Doctor returns and some more Big Finish adventures. Obviously, we still have half a year of celebrating the 50th anniversary of The Master. So we will be taking uh, taking a look. Uh, next up on uh, that uh, page, I think, is uh, the Missy uh, box set from Big Finish, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. We have some torchwood coming your way. Um, just, just all kinds of all kinds of good stuff. And then at some point in time, the the series is supposed to return this year. I keep hearing that. But. Right. <laughs> Supposedly. 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 Eventually. Allegedly. Well, be sure to follow the website travelthevortex.com for updates on that and the schedule. And you can, if you get any value out of the podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our Patreon link. And then also please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to podcasts. It helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations for others. Gets the word out for our show. Anything and if else? you're so inclined, give us a review on all of those not yeah. just the one that you listen to us on you know right. yeah absolutely <laughs> why not spread the wealth <laughs> all right well if that's gonna do it until next time i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to traveling the vortex doctor who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the bbc no infringement is intended or implied